I want to talk to you for the next few minutes from the subject, the dangers of half obedience. The danger of half obedience. Breathe on it, Holy Spirit. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, we have, um, we live in a time where I believe um, the mission of God that is upon your life is most important. I think that you have spent a lot of your years, in, whether you were a teenager or whether you were a younger, young adult, developing your relationship and your ear to hear from God. And I believe that most of us are shifting into a place where God is about to start speaking some significant things when it pertains to purpose and destiny and, and when it pertains to establishing his kingdom here on earth. I believe that our ears need to be king uh, unto hearing what he has to say unto not just the body of Christ, but us as individuals so that we have a clear understanding of the part that we play in establishing God's kingdom here on earth. Amen. Uh, I also believe that, that, that we are in a time uh, where we see compromise and shortcuts all around us. Uh, they ha remember when college used to be four years and, and, and that's the only way that you could get a degree if you went to the campus and, and you, you had to go to the campus and, and, and attend your classes there in the campus. Well, times have changed. Now you can enroll at, at the University of Phoenix online. And you can sit right in your living room and you can pull your iPad out and take classes and watch your professor online. And you never even have to leave the convenience of your living room because times have changed. Can somebody say times have changed? Uh, I remember a day when, 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 when you had to go to the mall. Come on, somebody. You had to go to the mall to get that new pair of Jordans because if you didn't get in line and, and, and get there to the mall before they opened at 6 a.m. to stand in the line because the doors would open at 9 and whoever would get there in line would get the Jordans and when they ran out the people who showed up first would get their shoes first. Times have changed. You can now go online and the moment the Jordans come out you can go right there from your device and order the Jordans on the spot uh, no exchange of currency physically, but everything is now done electronically, which makes things much easier, faster, convenient, and it presses this feeling on our generation of convenience, quick, fast, microwave, quick, fast, in a hurry. I believe that this spirit, uh, this is a good thing that we have convenience now in our generation, that we can do things that our forefathers couldn't do, that we could do it quicker than our forefathers did it before. But one of the things that I want to make sure of as a young adult generation is that we don't check out on the process. You see, everybody has a process that we have to go through in order to get to the place that God has us to go to. See, the, see, everybody, everybody loves to hear a purpose and then palace. They like it to be one shifting of a move. Purpose on my left, palace on my right. See, but we forget the process that Joseph went through. Joseph learned his purpose as a young boy, and he understood that he was going to be large and in charge at a young age. But then Joseph went through what we call the process, and Joseph was, 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 was taken from learning his purpose and being the favorite child to now being thrown into a pit by folks who loved him. You're not ready for purpose until you can deal with some pain.
and he went, he climbed himself out of the pit only to find himself climbing out of the pit to be sold into slavery by his own brothers into Potiphar's house. So now he's gone from learning his purpose to now being pushed into a pit, now being slung into Potiphar's house where he has to serve another man's vision and put the vision that God had given him down. And now he's being forced to put his own vision down to serve someone else's vision where there has been no promise of promotion. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, how dare anybody use us and allow us to serve in the body of Christ or allow us to do anything and and not give us any promise of promotion. What do you mean no promotion? This is why I'm working this job so I can get a... Because that's what it's all about. I need to get to my next level. I need to get from... God said we're going to go from glory to glory. I'm here because God is taking me to a new level in my walk with God. So I'm looking for my next position that I can stand in so that I can be elevated into promotion. And the problem with that is, is that when you stand in a place where you want to be elevated into promotion and the only reason that you do what you do is to receive a promotion, then God sees your heart. And we forget that God doesn't judge the outer man, but God looks upon the inside like he found David in the next chapter in verse and chapter 16. He, he found a man that didn't look like on the outside that he was going to be the next king, but God looked on the inside and saw something much deeper. God saw something much more valuable. God saw something that he could use, and that was a heart that was in the right place. Look at the person next to you and say, your heart has got to be in the right place and and, and so 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 we got everybody wants it convenient now he was taken from Potiphar's house thrown into prison and he was falsely accused of doing something and then in prison he sat there and he thought he was going to rot for the rest of his life but he allowed his gift to still function despite the position he found himself in can you still function and flow despite where you are can you still bloom no matter where you're planted can you still blossom even in, 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 in the shallowest of dirts? Do you still have the ability to, to go and do what God called you to do despite the level of comfort that you have around you? Sometimes I think our comfort is killing us because we've gotten too comfortable with where we are and comfortable with all of the convenience to the point to where when God says wait and there's a process that's due to this, we check out and now we don't want anything to do with it and now we claim that God has forgotten about us. My brothers and sisters, God has not forgotten about you. God has not forgotten about you because you feel like you're still on the back burner. God has not forgotten about you because he hasn't opened that door that you thought he should have opened when he thought you should have opened it. Uh, God has not forgotten about you because God is thinking about you and he's waiting for your heart to get in the right place. And when your heart is in the right place, then he will find you and the oil that he has on your life will flow over you and on you. And then he will place you where you need to be. But I want to get into this, this story. I want to jump into verse 1 through 3. Verse 1 through 3, God is speaking to Saul. Now, you got to understand, Saul was a handsome man. Saul was picked to be king, and, 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 and he was a head taller than everybody else around him. Saul was good-looking. Saul was tall. Saul looked like he would make a great king, and Saul looked like somebody you would want to follow. So, 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 so Saul was the king now, and, and, and Samuel came with a word from the Lord to Saul. 
so that he understood what God asked of him. So, so this is what he said to him. He, he told him some things. He says, I want you to go and found, find the Amalekites, and I want you to utterly destroy everything. I want the kids dead. I want the kids' kids that they're thinking about having dead. I want the sheep, the donkey, the cat, the dog, the roaches, and the rats all dead. God made it very clear that he wanted to make sure that everything and everyone that they had was destroyed. See, this is the first thing. If you're taking notes, when God speaks, be sure to write it out word for word. When God speaks to you about destiny, about purpose, or about something he's asked you to do, it would be good for you to write it down and make sure that you put it somewhere where you can understand it and re-articulate it years from now. See, because sometimes we add our own evolution to what God has said to us, and we add a little something to it, or we take a little something away over the years. You know, God called you to go do prison ministry, and now all of a sudden God called you to do prison ministry, but he only called you to do it if you're going to get paid to do it. No, that's not what he said. That's not what he said when he called you to do prison ministry. God said, I want you to go into the prison, and I want you to speak to the captives so they can be set free. God never said, I was going to pay you, and at some point you're going to be getting paid a salary, and you're going to be on staff at the church and I'm going to use you in X, Y, and Z and you're going to establish prison ministries all around the nation. And And we add all this stuff to what God has said sometimes and it puts us in danger from completely obeying what God said to do. So the first thing that we need to understand here that we can learn from Brother Saul is this. Make sure that we write down what God has said to us. Write it out. The Bible says that, the Bible says write the vision and make it plain so those who read it can run with it. You need to write it out and make it plain, not just, not, not just for other people to read it, but so you can refer back to it when you get in tough times and you feel like you haven't heard from God in a long time. It's always good to go back and remember the last thing he said to you and refer back to it and keep doing the last thing he said do until he tells you to do something else. But we don't like that because we want it. We want quick. We, I, I've been doing this for six years now. When do I get to be promoted? Just keep doing what God told you to do. I've been, I've, been, I've been doing this thing. I've been serving with all of my heart for seven years now. Can you serve for eight? Number two, never let what's good outweigh what's God. Never, never let what's good outweigh what's God. He, he allowed a few good things to keep him from obeying God. When he went into the city... Where, where the Amalekites lived. He went there and, and he began to destroy everything that was there. But he, he, he and his people saw some, 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 nice, some nice looking sirloins that could have been served up on the barbecue when they come back to the palace. And he said, why would we destroy such a nice beast and we can use this for, for bodily gain? Uh, why would we destroy? Oh, oh, here we go. This is what we do. Sometimes we'll say we're doing something in the name of the Lord, but we're really doing it for our own selfish gain. I got the sheep and the oxen so that we could worship your God and sacrifice on the altar. So that we could do those things. That, that, that would be nice, right? Uh, that's not the real motive of why he did what he did. He got the best because he saw the spoils. And, and this is what happens. Sometimes the spoils will spoil your chance with God. Because you got too focused on the stuff along the way that you forgot about the bigger picture of what God spoke to you to do. And we've got to be a generation that will set our eyes as flint. 
that we will see what God said and we will focus on what God said, that we will move forward, that we will find a spot. When I'm working out and I'm doing some new working out now with CrossFit, and when I'm CrossFitting, I will find a spot on the wall and I will just focus as hard as I can so that my body can line up and I have, I have a destination that I'm, I'm trying to reach and I keep my eyes focused on the prize so that I'm not distracted. Some of us need to keep our eyes on the prize so that we're not distracted and pulled from the left or pulled to the right uh, when God is trying trying to do something in your life, don't be deviated because you see some twinkling and some shining and some relationships and some job opportunity and some opportunity to be put in place for a promotion to the point to where you take yourself out of God's will. Number three, God has always and will always view obedience as a measuring stick for whether you truly love him. Okay, there's a great book out there. Uh, it talks about, uh, there's a website, the Five Love Languages. This, I, I advise every single person here to go check it out. If you don't know about it, you need to know about it. If you plan on being in a relationship at any time in your life, you need to understand what your love languages are because your love language describes how you, uh, how you show and express your love and how you like love to be expressed to you. Uh, uh, some people like uh, physical touch. Some people like words of affirmation. Some folks like gifts. Some folks like different things. Some folks like acts of service. You know, if you clean up the house, oh, she go crazy. Praise the Lord. God is good and worthy to be praised. You see, you see, so everybody speaks a different love language. And, and, and the interesting thing about it is, is that God's love language is obedience. That I, I don't care what you, I don't care, I really don't care about your worship, and I don't really care about how much you give, quote unquote, unless, you know, unless we're talking about the tithe. I, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not concerned about everything else that's going on in your life other than the fact is, is did you do the last thing I asked you to do? Are you being obedient to the thing that I commissioned you to do? You see, some of us will get involved with good things, but they may not be God things. Some of us will get sidetracked with something that is good, and maybe the prison ministry is good, but did God tell you to sing in the choir? Because you could be missing purpose if you're focused on something that's good, but not necessarily maybe God for you. You see, we need to make sure that we're not distracted by good things to keep us from doing what God called us to do. Everybody plays their part in the body of Christ. We're like a big puzzle that fits together, and every piece is made to do different things in the body. And it would be wrong of us to covet someone else's position on the puzzle piece board and try and force ourselves into the role that they play because we like what they do, because it looks good, because it's something that I feel good about doing, or it's a good thing to do. A good thing to do may not be good for you if God hadn't commissioned you to do it. Somebody say amen. So, so we got to make sure that we're, we're obeying God and doing it the way he does it. And, and obedience is, is the way he, he spells love. John, 15 and, John 14 and 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You hear this echoed several times throughout Scripture. Your love is predicated on you keeping his commandments. If you love him, you'll do what he asks you to do. If you love him, you'll stay on the path of righteousness. If you love him, you'll do what God called you to do. If you love him, you'll move where God called you to move. If you love him, you'll, you'll go and sign up for that class and do what he told you to do. If you love him, you'll stay low and be humble. If you love him, you'll start, you'll keep yourself in a place of submission. If you love him, you'll stay in the church he told you to stay in and stop jumping from church to church if you love him the question is is how much do you love him 
And that's based on how well you obey him. All your tears, all your crying, all your snot bubbles at the altar, that's cute. That's cute. But really what God hears, what really is music to his ears, what makes his heart flutter is obedience. How willing are you to obey God even when it's uncomfortable? Even when it's something that you don't feel like God might have told. Even if it's something that you don't feel comfortable about doing physically or mentally. If God told you to do it, are you willing to press past how you feel because God said do it? And those, my friends, are the people that God looks upon and smiles upon and allows promotion to come to. People who will endure as a, as a soldier. People who will understand that persecution comes with serving God. People who understand that God has me on this job not for a paycheck, but he has me here on an assignment. People who understand that I'm in this classroom to make a difference for God, not just necessarily make an A. People who understand that I'm, I'm at the grocery store and, and, and I'm here, I'm here to get me some, some melons, but God might be speaking to somebody's soul. And, and I'll, I'll put these melons down in, in a heartbeat if God speaks to me and tells me to speak to that person because I'm more up to obeying God than I am enjoying my own comfort of what I want. And I think the spirit of comfort is truly killing our generation and it's causing us to miss out on what God wants us to do and who he called us to be because we are looking for comfort uh, to, to define whether or not this is God or not. Let me tell you something. Comfort has never been the definition of true purpose. If, if, if that was the case, then ask, why were the disciples martyred? Why, why, why were disciple, disciples skint, in, uh, skint alive? Why were they thrown into pots of, of burning oil and, and, and boiled alive? If, if you think that comfort has anything to do with God's purpose for your life, you missed it, boo-boo. God has always moved upon people who were willing to sacrifice at any cost to do what he has called them to do. The fourth thing. Your obedience is more important than your sacrifice in the sight of God. Has the Lord, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? He, it's, it's, more, it's, it's more important for him that, that you obey the voice of God. It's more important him, for him that you obey, and, and obeying is better than sacrificing and then heeding of the fat of the rams. He's, he wants to make sure that we understand the importance of obedience and how obedience unlocks the door for the next season in our lives. Could you be stuck at the door because you refuse to obey? Because you refuse to do what God has told you to do? Because you refuse to sacrifice the way God has called you to sacrifice? Let me, let, you know what? This is real deep right now. But let me bring it down and dumb it down just a little bit more. Are you willing to obey God's word? Because some of us look for audible voices. You know, it's, he didn't speak to me. He didn't say anything. I didn't hear anything, Brother Myron. I, he didn't say anything to me directly. So I'm waiting for an audible voice from heaven to speak to me. And when I hear the audible voice, I will obey God. And I will do exactly what he has told me to do. The truth of the matter is, is that God is speaking all the time through his word. And the question for us as believers, as mature, maturing believers, are we in the word enough to hear his voice? Are we in the word enough to hear what he has to say? Are we in the word enough to hear the redirecting of the Lord in our lives? Are we in the word enough to hear the shift that he just did and that we catch it through his word? 
Because God will speak in a few ways. God will speak through his manservant. Come on, somebody say the manservant. That's your pastor. That's the man of God. That's the elders and the pastors and the people God has placed in your life to speak supernatural things. God will speak through his word. Somebody say the word. And then also God will speak through the voice of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say Holy Spirit. Now, I, I, get, I get scared when I hear folks always come to me and they tell me that they heard something from God. And, and, and this, is, this is the litmus test. You ready? You, you want to know how you know that what this person is saying is from God? Because folks will come to you all the time, prophesying, prof, I'm sorry, prophesying, uh, and they will tell you things that God has spoken to them for you. Anybody get some of that sometimes? Any y'all get that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is that age where everybody's just like, yeah, I think I'm hearing something. I get a little twinge in my spirit, man, and he spoke to me about you directly, and he told me to tell you X, Y, and Z. He, he told me to X, Y, and Z. And I said, okay, this is how you measure what God has said to someone else, and if it's for you. Does it line up with the word of God? Or is it some just far-fetched, weirdo, strange pizza last night you ate? Prophesy that you're speaking over people because the real the real test is is if, if God is saying it through you, he's going to confirm it in his word. I have never received a word from God that God has not confirmed with his word and has shown me and confirmed it several times on the inside. And, and, and to be honest with you, if he says it once in his word, you usually can find it twice. So, so don't just go off on a wing in a prayer and say, oh, I found one verse. I found one verse. No, no, no. Go find several. And, and then, then when, you, when you get word upon word, precept upon precept, and it lines up with the word that was spoke over you, then maybe, just maybe, that's the voice of the Lord. But I would still go into a fast to make sure that you heard from the Lord and see if God himself may not confirm it through another manservant, through, through, through another word from God you might hear as you're hearing the word preached. I would look for several confirmations before I move out on something someone told me they heard from God. Can somebody say amen? Number five, rebellion and stubbornness are usually at the core of most disobedience. Re rebellion and stubbornness are usually at the core of most disobedience. The, the main reason why most of us uh, choose not to obey, usually at the core, because this is what he said in the word, it says rebellion and stubbornness. Now, I took up the liberty to look the word rebellion up uh, in its original intent in the Hebrew, and I found out that the word, uh, uh, the, 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 that the word means bitter, bitter, bitter. So, 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 so you're living in a state of bitterness, and some of us, this is, this is good, this is good, because some of us get bitter when God doesn't speak. Some of us get upset because everybody else gets a word from God. And they, the prophet always got something to say to everybody around me, but they seem to always miss me. Anybody else like that, you all, you front and center at the altar call. I'm right here. Hey, pastor, how you doing? You good? Praise God. I'm just here worshiping Jesus, waiting on my word. That's it. Just waiting on Jesus to speak to me. Tell me what I need to do next. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, Jesus. Speak to me, Lord. Hallelujah. If you don't speak, I, I'm, I'm, I've been here for 10 minutes. You need to speak. Hallelujah. All right, it's 15. My knee is starting to hurt. Jesus, I need you to speak. And, and we get into a place where, where when God doesn't speak to us, some of us, 
Some of us, ooh, this is good. Some of us see that as rejection because people left us and they didn't speak to us when we were younger. And there's been cert- there's certain things that trigger these emotions that are on the inside. And some of us transli- transition our feelings towards people towards our feelings towards God. And-, and now we're in a place of bitterness and anger because you are disappointed because God didn't say something to you or God didn't speak it the way you thought he was going to speak it or he hasn't spoken to you in a very long time. And now you feel like it's your father, your physical father who left you, who didn't speak to you and who hadn't said anything to you in a long time and he left you because he didn't like you in your own eyes and and now you feel like God is not speaking to you because he doesn't like you and now there's bitterness that grows on the inside and now you find yourself asking yourself questions like is God really real does he really care about everybody does he really have a plan and purpose for my life because I haven't heard him say anything directly to me he always forgets about me. Oh, you hear that bitterness? Just you know, he, he doesn't even think about me. I'm sure he's not thinking about me. Yeah, I hear the songs, and I hear the worship, and I hear all that stuff, but God's not really concerned with who I am as a person because he never speaks to me, and I never hear his voice, and I'm not sure if he's even real anymore. And, that's, and then my, my participation in church begins to dwindle because I'm not sure if I'm doing this for the right reason. Is this, is this a bunch of hocus pocus? Is this a bunch of emotion? Is this just hype? Are people just really excited about God? Is that really what they call the Holy Ghost on that person? Or is that just emotion? They're just an emotional person, I'm sure. Because if God was real, and if the God that they worship was real, he would speak to me. And I would hear his voice, and I wouldn't know what to do with my life. Because I'm frustrated because I'm in a place where I'm not sure what I need to do. And I've asked him time and time again what to do. And I I haven't heard him say anything to me. Can I give you a word of advice? Go back and find the last thing he spoke to you. Hang on that word. It might not even make sense in the season that you're in right now. But you need to remind yourself. To remind me who you are you need to be reminded of who God is that you need to understand that he is for you and when you remember when he did speak to you when you were six when you remember when he did speak to you when you were 12 when you remember how he saved you supernaturally and kept you from getting hit by that car when you remember some miracle that he performed in your life when you remember how he dried up the cyst that was in your breast when you remember how he saved somebody in your life that never was supposed to be saved you need to remind yourself of who God is time and time again because the enemy The enemy will come in like a flood and he will try to flood your mind with ideas that are not true about your heavenly father. He has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for you. And it doesn't matter how long it takes for him to accomplish his will for your life. He will accomplish the will that he set out for your life. You just have to be faithful and believe. Get past this bitterness that you have in your heart towards your heavenly father because he loves you. And this is important, too. Not only does he love you, he likes you. (laughs) Do you know God likes you? Oh, this is good. Do do you know that God, you know that God is not mad at you? Mm. Do you know that he's not angry with you? Do you know that he's not waiting to, to beat you with a stick when you get to heaven? 
do you know that he's not just ready to throw you into hell? Do you know that he loves you so much so to over 2,000 years ago, he had only one son, one, one son, just one. And he loved you so much to where he would give up the life of his only begotten son so that you could have everlasting life. Now, let's not just stop there because most of us understand and believe that the father wants us in heaven with him. But what some of us have a hard time believing is that he has a plan and purpose for our lives and that he wants us to live a good quality of life here on earth. He died so that we could have life ready for some more and life more abundantly. I want to do a series called The Abundant Life because I think that a lot of us don't understand that God didn't just die so we could go to heaven, but he died so that we could have an abundant life and live good while we're here on earth. So that we could be lenders and not borrowers. So that we could be bless, a blessing to people and not always have to look for a handout. Come on, somebody. Your father loves you. He has a plan and purpose for your life. He's not angry with you. He's not upset with you. He actually likes you. When he thinks about you, he smiles. Mm. It's so simple, but it's so good. Because some of us don't believe that about the Father. Some of us believe that he's angry. Some of us believe that he's a taskmaster waiting to beat us down, waiting to scald us, looking down on us, always looking down with a serious, strong, starched face that looks to discipline us and correct us and bring us in. Do you know that your Father desires to embrace you? Do you know that he desires to, to, to show you his love and his compassion and his kindness? And it's all because of what Jesus has done for us. Because Jesus took your place. Yes, what you did was wrong. But guess what? Somebody paid a price for it. And not just for the stuff you did yesterday. Sheesh. But for the stuff that you will do tomorrow. And the next day as well. Because he is a propitiation for our sins. That means it continues to go on. From this time to the next time, next week, next month, next year, it don't even much matter. Where sin abound, grace abound even the more so. And you need to pull yourself out of the slump that you've been in for years and get past the guilt and the shame that you walk around with, with your head hung down about your heavenly father who loves you, who desires to use you, and maybe you're not being used because of how you see yourself in the sight of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hope whoever needed that got it. Number six, never trust what God said to you in the hands of other people. Take full, take full responsibility of your own destiny. Never trust what God has spoken to you in the hands of other people. Saul said, but these people, these people were pressuring me. They told me to go and get the people and the spoils and the sheep and the yada, that, whatever. Oh, I, wait a minute, wait a minute, Saul, Saul, Saul. I gave you the word, and I spoke to you directly, and I told you what I needed you to do, and I told you exactly how I wanted you to do it, and I was very precise on how I explained how I wanted you to kill everybody and everything, and you're going to allow people around you, people that you're trying to impress, Sheesh. people who you're already over anyway. People that you're older than spiritually sometimes. Folks that's in your life that are already around you that don't even cheer for you. No way. 
You're going to allow your haters to keep you from obeying God? What? Oh, no. Let me tell you something. God spoke to me years ago. I was living in Houston, Texas. Just gotten married. Hey, H-Town, what's up? (laughs) 45 South, let's do it. Um, Anyway, um, chopped and screwed. One more, I'm sorry. Had to throw it out. (laughs) But anyway, I was in H-Town minding my own business. I was minding my own business. I was working and I was serving God, and I was trying to sell cars, y'all. I just wasn't that good at it. I really wasn't. It was really bad. But I, I had bought a house in Sugarland at 20 years of age, and, and, and we, were, we were doing well, and we had had the house for about six months. And I went to sleep, and I had a dream. And God spoke to me in this dream, and he told me something very specific. He said, move back to Dallas immediately. I, I, I'm, I'm going to... Uh, um, Move back, to, move, back, move back to Dallas immediately. Uh, I have a work I want to train you for. I'm going to do a new thing. Move back to Dallas immediately. I have a work I want to train you for. I'm going to do a new thing. I was 20. I woke up the next morning. I told my wife, I said, we're moving back to Dallas. She said, what? She's from Houston. She's like, my family, what? But you know what? I, what I love about my wife is that she's willing to obey whatever God spoke to me as a leader. And, and it wasn't even an argument. It was, okay, when are we moving? And let me tell you something. We packed up our entire house. We didn't have a place to go to when we got to Dallas. We didn't know where we were coming back to. I didn't have a job when I moved back to Dallas. I stayed with my uncle for 30 days until I got on my feet and had my own job working at a call center. Come on, somebody. At a call center. And then from there, I moved into an apartment in Louisville, Texas, to have our own place where we had our own stuff after 30 days. And I began to go back. I began to go back to. I began to go back to the church that I was once a part of. And then God. And then I felt something after about six months of being at the church, and I just wasn't feeling easy. I said something's not right here. And then I began to go to this little small church, and I went to this little small church where they where they were real big on order and structure and discipline and correction and all those types of things. And I began to get some things in order in my life. And, And then all of a sudden, the door opened, and the prophecy came to me. Most of you guys have heard the prophecy from the African guy that was in my apartment complex, spoke to me a word from God, told me that I was going to go to Christ for the Nations Institute in Dallas, Texas, which I had never heard of. And he told me, no more about how you're going to pay. God's going to make a way, which I didn't, I had no confidence in at all. And then all of a sudden, he told me that the next, the next, that that night, I said, what is Christ for the Nations? I saw Pastor Chris Hill, who I hadn't spoken to in a year, and Pastor Chris Hill was being introduced on on the show. And they said, he's an adjunct professor at Christ for the Nations Institute in Dallas, Texas. Praise the Lord. I said, get out of town. I called Pastor Chris up immediately, who I hadn't spoken to in a while, and he, con- he connects me with the director of the school who, who loved African Americans. Uh, that sounds real bad, but... <laughs> but this, this guy loved the African American uh, uh, church culture and he saw a desire to help us be spiritually educated because he wanted us to do ministry on the next level and be respected in the kingdom for doing it as well. So he says, I'm willing to create a scholarship for young African-American males from the DFW area. And what happened was I talked to this guy and he told me to write my story down. I told him about everything that I had went through. I told him my whole life story, sent him 12 pages and pictures to match. Come on, somebody. And pictures to match it. Then finally, 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 they call me and tell me, Pastor, I mean, I'm sorry, he didn't call me Pastor Green at that time. He said, Ontario, we have great news. You got the scholarship. I said, get out of town. 
I said, but you know what? We decided to do something a little extra for you. Sheesh. This is, this is God right here. See, this is that exceedingly, abundantly, above all. Here it is right here. Check it out. They said, not only do we want to give you tuition only, because that's, the, that's what the scholarship is for, tuition only. I was going to have to move over that way, find a job, get all this stuff set up, find a, an apartment, find everything for my family, get a new job, all that stuff. I wasn't excited about it, but I was willing to obey God because I heard that he wanted me to do it because he spoke to me when I was in Houston and said he was going to prepare me to do a work. Uh, uh, he wanted to train me for a work. He was going to do a new thing, so I knew that he had spoken it, so I wrote it out. And he said, we're going to give you an apartment, three-bedroom apartment for your family to stay in. We're going to take care of all utilities. We're going to make sure everything is covered. We're going to give you, t- you're going to take care of your tuition. We're going to take care of your books. We're going to take care of everything. This scholarship, hold on, hold on, hold on. This scholarship is supposed to be renewed every semester, and new names are supposed to go into the pot so everybody else can have a fair chance at the scholarship. But we will promise the scholarship to you for the entirety of your time at Christ for the Nations as long as you keep a 3.0 GPA or higher. And I graduated after two years with a 4.0. Come on, somebody. And this was all because I didn't trust what God said to me in the hands of anybody else. Because I remember what God spoke to me. I remember when he said, go back to Dallas. I have a work I want to train you for. I'm going to do a new thing. And I knew that God wanted to do something in a new way because I went back to the old way and it wasn't feeling the right way. And then I went into the new way. And then when God put me in there, I began to learn how to deal with other cultures. Because this, believe it or not, this is the first African-American church I've ever been on staff at. All of the other churches that I have worked at have been predominantly Caucasian. Because God was training me to do a new thing. Because God wanted me to have a universal voice. Because God didn't want me to just be able to speak to black African Americans only. But God wanted my my voice to be able to speak to a generation of people who are colorblind, who will receive the gospel from whoever God has sent to them. And I I had to have the ability to be able to speak their language as well as the language of this church as well. How willing are you to do what God told you to do? And are you willing to ride it out and keep it in your own hands and not place it on the shoulders of somebody else? Dump off your, what God has spoken to you on someone else and trust someone else with what you know. Some of you talk too much. Listen, this is real good. Listen to this. If you didn't talk to your friends as much, your enemies wouldn't know so much about you. Selah. Selah. Number seven. <laughs> we can shut it down right there. I got a little bit more, and we're going to close this thing out. It's 901. Praise God. Let me move. I got two more points. You ready? You guys got, you got enough time? You good? All right, we're going to take your offering, get your offering ready, too, as I'm going over these last two points. But this is more of a prophetic warning, and I'm going to do, do another series uh, come September, and it's going to be called Glory, because God has shown me that there, that there is a generation that's coming up that are robbers of God's glory, and we need to understand the violation that we are committing, and a lot of us don't understand the violation that we are committing and getting in the way of God's glory, and that's why he's not using some of us. So I want you to make sure you show up in September for glory because it's going to be real good. We're going to make sure that he sits on the throne and that we are out of the way because it's about his kingdom coming and it's about his will being done. And it's not about us establishing our own stuff. It's not about us establishing our own ministry. It's not about us establishing what we desire to have. It's about God being lifted up. And in due time, as we lift him underneath him, he will exalt us. But we don't get exalted above him. Okay. 
Number seven, be careful not to confuse the fact that you still have the position with God being with you in the position. Saul was right. Listen, God says, God says, I'm, I'm stripping you of the kingdom. You're done. You're finished. I'm done. As we get to the end of this chapter, the Bible says that, Saul, that Samuel walked away from Saul and he didn't come back until he was dead. I'll worship with you one last time, but we're done. I'm finished. I'm moving on where the glory has gone. And the glory has moved and shifted to David. And we wonder why Saul was so upset and angry. Because Saul understood that he had something at one point, And it was stripped away from him at the next. Have you ever had something that God has given you? And you knew that you had done something to have it stripped away from you? And you had to live with the thought and the memory that you had it? You had it, but you didn't do what it took to keep it. There is not a worse feeling than to have what God called you to have. And the feeling of losing it is earth shattering. There is nothing that hurts more. I would rather you punch me out, knock me out, stomp me to the ground, put Nike and Reebok checks across my face with your shoes <laughs> before you strip away what you call me to do. This is why David said in Psalms 51, take not your spirit from me. Do whatever you want to do. Beat me how you want to beat me, but don't take the purpose that you created me away. Don't strip me of what it is that you called me to do. God, I, I want to feel like I'm doing what you set me here to do. God, I, I don't want to feel like I, I, I've, I've messed up so much to the point to where my disobedience has cost me my purpose. Sheesh. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for those in this room. God, who have strayed away from the thing that you told them to do. Who have pulled away from the last thing that you commanded them to do. Who have trusted their purpose in other people's hands. Who talk too much and now people are against them. And things have come against them that are out of their control. God, I pray for the sinner. I pray for the backslider tonight. The one that strayed away. The one that saw God's purpose on their lives and decided to do something different. And they have been miserable. They have been angry. They have been bitter. I pray for that spirit right now in this room. And God, I pray that you would create in us a clean heart, Father God. And renew a right spirit within us, Father. Holy Spirit, come and fill this place. Stand to your feet. We grown folks tonight. I don't know what it is that God convicted you about being obedient, but I do want to tell you this. This is the warning. Here, you, this is the warning. This is it right here. We all have to understand that we are all replaceable. Let me get up here and say it. I'm replaceable. And guess what? so are you that God will raise somebody else up train somebody in your own house and the Bible says that he was better than Saul is what he said I'm going to find somebody that's better than you and put them in position and make you watch them in your presence this is the warning God don't have time to play with us anymore He's dealing with someone who was supposed to be mature enough to understand obedience. 
And I believe that God is dealing with a generation that understands obedience. We understand what it means to obey. And we must choose to obey the word that God has spoken in our lives so that we can be where God called us to be. And we can't keep being upset with everybody else and God because we are not where we should be. Could it be a product of our own disobedience? Could it be because we chose to go astray? You will know, you will know that you've been replaced when God has someone else finish what he instructed you to do. You remember in the, in the end of this thing, um, Samuel took the knife, he took, he took the sword, and, 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 and he, he said, bring King Agag out to me. And King Agag came out and he took his sword and he sliced King Agag into pieces. He didn't do it because he wanted to do it. Samuel did that because Saul refused to do it. And my question to you is, do you have people around you that God may have chosen to replace you to do what you refuse to do? God has a plan for your life. Yes, he wants to use you. Yes, he wants to raise you up. Yes, you are his son. Yes, you are his daughter. But he will not play about his purpose. But he will not play about his plan. He will not play about establishing his kingdom here on earth. And my question to you is, is are you willing to be obedient enough to establish what God called you to do? Otherwise, just leave it alone. Just leave it alone if you don't want to do it. Why come to church? Why worship? Why come on Sunday? Why? If you're not willing to go all the way. Because God wants more than just your giving. God wants more than just your serving. He wants full, total, complete obedience. Full, total, complete obedience.